It's time for midday here on the fifth day of November. It's going to be another beautiful one. If it's not already, mostly 70s is going to be across the board here before the end of the day. Even some 80s. Right now we're seeing a good portion of the listing area with 60s and low 70s. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen in sports in just a moment. Bob Brogan will tell us, uh, talk about stocks, and uh, looks like they're doing pretty well so far here on this Thursday. But let's talk with Susan Littlefield, give us a preview of the featured interviews we can expect. Well, thanks, Tyler. Here's what's going to happen on a midday from the farm team. I'll kick it off at 1219 as we talk about anhydrous on dry grounds that might not be real cool right now. Then at 1245, Clay will step in to talk about the Dawson County Thanksgiving Classic. And wrapping it all up at 117, my conversation with Senator Jerry Moran. He is on a conservation tour today in Kansas, but brought with him folks from Washington, D.C. That's a midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you very much, Susan. Appreciate it. We look forward to those featured interviews. Let's turn it over to Jason in sports. Day two of high school state volleyball underway. That's right. And at D2 earlier today, it was Diller Odell. They were able to knock out Nebraska Christian. They were able to win that one in four sets. One of the other matches that took place today, CWC against Why Not. And in that particular uh, matchup, looking at the uh, scores that came along here, uh, was Why Not, who eventually was able to uh, win that four set, 25-22. So uh, CWC, rather, once the CWC, they move on. Some of the other scores is there's two more games getting set to go in D2. St. Francis, they won the first set over Falls City Sacred Heart, 25-23. Now, we have a number of area teams that will be in action later on this afternoon. Maywood Hay Center is also getting set to play in the other semifinal in D2, but we'll preview those. Of course, we'll have the Overton match tonight over on Cammy Country. That one starts at 7, and we'll talk some Husker football as uh, Nebraska will see a familiar face, a quarterback for Northwestern. Uh, he was the quarterback last year for Indiana, Mr. Ramsey, who had a big day leading mm. the Hoosiers past the Huskers. I had totally forgot about that. Yeah, a lot of people try to block that out. Uh, he engineered Indiana's 38-31 <laughs> victory, and he's a grad transfer, and he ended up at Northwestern. I know we'll have your Husker chat coming up later tonight in the uh, 5 o'clock hour, but uh, how, how does Sean think that uh, the Huskers will fare this upcoming weekend? Well, he never really predicts the games, but if, uh, if the theme of this series continues, it'll be a tight game between Nebraska and Northwestern. Uh, you look at the nine times they've played, Nebraska's won five of those. And just about every game, it's come right down to the wire. I also wonder how the Huskers bounce back after having a, a long extra week off. After you just get started, then you have the week off, and then you go back into it. So I wonder if that plays a factor as well. We'll see. Uh, Northwestern, when they're when they're expected to be good, they aren't. And when they're supposed to be down, they're better. And they were 3-9 a year ago. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see what happens this year and this upcoming Saturday. Let's turn over to Bob Brogan. Well, stocks are having a nice day yet again. The S&P is rallying uh, in uh, trading today. It's not clear who will run the White House next year, but for right now, the uh, markets are up. Uh, Markets are banking on the election leading to split control of Congress, which could mean the continuation of low tax rates and other business-friendly policies. Also, General Motors posting huge third-quarter numbers, pulling in a lot of profit over three months. We'll have those stories and more coming up. All right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Coming up next... 
2020 has been a difficult year for everyone. And now producers turn their attention to next year and what the carryover will be as they set their budgets. On our next Rural Radio Forum, we'll delve into farm financing during the COVID pandemic. To understand the obstacles and strategies for 2021, we'll hear from decision makers across Nebraska. Dustin O'Hanlon of O'Hanlon Seeds in Lexington. Jason Smith of FM Bank in West Point. And Bruce Everly of Robo Bank. It's the Rural Radio Forum, November 17th, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain Time on KRVN. 11.44 here at KRVN, which means it's time to take a look at our regional ag weather, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Paul Perkins has stepped back in, and, well, I asked you yesterday if we had any records broken the day before. I'll ask you again today. Did we have any records broken I yesterday? Th- I didn't really hear too many uh, places getting to record levels yesterday, but I'm guessing maybe a few locations or were right at near record highs yesterday. But yeah, it was another gorgeous day yesterday with highs yesterday in the upper sixty, upper 70s to low 80s. Not going to be quite as warm for today. But I mean, temperatures today are, are shaping up to be beautiful. Yes, um, and just the perfect conditions right now. No wind, that humidity very low, because right now the dew points are into the mid to upper 30s, which shows you how dry that air is, and it just really makes it uh, comfortable. You don't even want to come inside. (laughs) Experience it all and soak it all up. Got to get outside, enjoy it while you can. The harvesters, I know we mentioned it yesterday, but uh, for those that were lagged behind uh, because last week, well, here you go. This is your week. Yeah, hearing lots of uh, good signs of making some very good progress this week and getting things kind of wrapped up here. So. Very good. Well, the temperatures and the nice warmness is going to continue, it appears. Exactly. For at least a few more days and then some changes on the way for next week. But right now, it doesn't look like it's going to be too big of a bump in the road as we head towards next week. Right now, our temperatures are already at some very comfortable levels in the upper 60s to the low 70s. A few locations in the low and mid-60s into the Nebraska Panhandle, but all in all, some very nice weather today and this first eight days of november on pace to be the warmest start to november on record so if you thought it was warm you're very right with the ridge of high pressure overhead our daytime highs for today through the weekend will continue to be anywhere from 15 to 20 degrees above average with approaching low pressure we will see some increasing south winds for tomorrow and saturday that will lead to higher fire danger especially in some drier areas of central nebraska into the tri-state area of southwest nebraska northwest kansas and northeast colorado that's where we do have a fire weather watch in effect for tomorrow afternoon a strong cold front drops our temperatures to slightly below seasonal on monday not a big cold blast and then 10 degrees colder than normal as we head towards tuesday and veterans day of the middle part of next week scattered rain will be possible when that cold front moves through for sunday through sunday night with colder air mixing in from monday night into tuesday there will be mainly small chances of rain mixed with snow not looking like a big weather maker in the long-term forecast nebraska and kansas temperatures forecast to be slightly cooler than normal the middle part of next week that cool down not lasting long seasonal to slightly warmer than normal temperatures are predicted for nebraska and kansas by next weekend through november 18th some precipitation may linger in central and eastern areas of nebraska and kansas the mid part of next week Otherwise, Nebraska and Kansas precipitation likely to trend below normal for Tuesday through the 18th. In the just-released regional drought monitor, all of Nebraska continues to be in some level of dryness. North-central Nebraska, the least dry right now with abnormally dry conditions. Most of Nebraska now in moderate to severe drought. 
much of the Nebraska panhandle and locked in level three extreme drought. Kansas improved 17 percentage points to 17 percent drought free with nearly all of the counties along the southern border of Kansas no longer dry. Most of Kansas abnormally dry to a moderate drought. Kansas counties along the Colorado border remain in severe to extreme drought. Weather factors affecting the markets include concern over dry conditions in both Argentina and major international wheat areas. The Midwest and all of the plains will remain dry and warm the next several days. The colder temperatures and increasing precipitation chances start to move into the northern plains and Midwest by next week. Possibly some moderate amounts of precipitation with that. Western wheat areas of the southern plains will be mostly dry next week, but eastern areas indicated to see some heavier precipitation. Argentina crop areas will only have light rain the next seven days. The drier trend offers no meaningful easing of their soil moisture concerns, especially in drier areas of north and west Argentina. Russian wheat areas are likely to go into dormancy with soil moisture deficits. Only scattered light showers are in their forecast the rest of this week. In some totally different weather fortunes, Australia's wheat areas will have widespread rain the next seven days with some disruption to the wheat harvest. Australia's wheat crop expected be the largest since the record crop of 2016. You know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Going to have to put the lawn chairs away. But boy, if you haven't broke them out yet for the deck, this is a good week to do so. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Get out and enjoy it. You know, and we've just a few weeks ago, on October 22nd to the 28th, we had the coldest period, or the coldest seven days Mm -hmm. for this early in the fall. This week, we're now in the midst of the warmest start to November on record, and that is a sign of La Nina, some up and down temperature cycles, and right now we're in that La Nina weather cycle, and we do have more on that with Winter Weather Awareness Day that's today, and that's in our podcast page, krvn.com. And you also have a great interview with, uh, is it Mike Moritz, yes, right? Yes, Mike Moritz of okay. the Hastings Weather Service, yeah. So you can listen to that and kind of get the lowdown on what to expect for this winter and how to be prepared, plus some new products from the Weather Service. Okay, and for a current up-to-date forecast, if you're a listener, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you very much. <laughs> Dry weather continues. What's that going to mean for working the fields this fall? Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Well, corn growers do have several good reasons for applying anhydrous ammonia to their fields in the fall, well ahead of spring planting. Kansas State University's crop nutrition specialists say to get the most out of that application, though, certain variables must be considered first. And Kansas State's Dorovar Ruiz Diaz says that the anhydrous needs moisture in the soil for that fertilizer to stay put. Essentially, when we apply anhydrous ammonia, we basically need water for that ammonia to convert to ammonium. And the ammonium form is really the the, the form of nitrogen that's going to be stable. It's going to basically stay in the soil. And so we do need to have water, basically, moisture for that conversion to happen. So when we have dry conditions, of course, that can limit that process. And obviously, we do have the risk of losing that nitrogen. And some of this may be happening a few hours after applications, and it can continue for for several days, and, and again, during that time, we can, we can lose significant amount of that in hydrous ammonia. And given the fact that dry soils have been prevalent in the area recently, producers may need to go about their anhydrous applications differently. 
in many cases, what we need to do is basically um, evaluate what is the condition in that specific field. Uh, some fields are going to be different because texture is a big part of this as well. Uh, in some soils that are, uh, depending on, on the texture we have, we may have more, more issues of losses. We either need to make some adjustments. The depth of, of application, we can basically put uh, deeper, uh, if all possible. Uh, and in some cases, we may just need to stop and wait for better soil conditions. Essentially, again, if we're going to be losing significant amounts, it's better just to wait and, and get some, some better conditions if we are not able to make adjustments. And he did say if one is going to attempt to place that anhydrous in proximity to moisture, what is the necessary depth? He does have this guideline. Typically, we want to uh, be at least in the range of 6 to 8 inches, uh, given the dry conditions that we have. Typically, when we get to that depth, uh, we tend to have a little bit more moisture, enough moisture uh, to convert that ammonia into ammonium. And, and of course, also helping uh, to minimize any, any of that loss with more shallow applications. So certainly uh, try to hit at least 6 to 8 inches. In some cases, maybe need to be even deeper. The other thing is also just uh, using things like these behind the knives, uh, basically to seal the the application point the best we can. Uh, all of those things will uh, definitely keep that anhydrous in place. Another factor that we need to think about when applying anhydrous to those cornfields for spring is what the soil temperatures are. And he did note that soils have to be cold enough to prevent large anhydrous losses. The challenge right now with dry soils is really are, do we have the conditions, the moisture, and do we have the physical properties to basically hold that anhydrous in place? But the, the next question is what happens with soil temperature and the potential for microbial activity essentially for that nitrogen to convert to nitrate and potentially lose that nitrogen either by leaching or uh, maybe even denitrification later on next spring. And so the question here is uh, soil temperature, as we know, a microbial-driven process will be affected by temperature. So then that brings up the question, how long do soil temperatures need to be to keep that from converting to nitrate? Typically, the guideline says that we want to uh, apply anhydrous after we get to a, a temperature of 50 degrees Fahrenheit or lower, a four-inch depth in the soil. So we have to monitor that. That's Kansas State University's Doravar Ruiz-Diaz. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, the State High School Volleyball Tournament continues today in Lincoln. Class D2 earlier today in quarterfinal action. It was CWC over Why Not in four, and Diller O'Dell defeated Nebraska Christian in four. At this time, Maywood Hayes Center, they're up 2 nothing over Mullen. Fall City, Sacred Heart, and St. Francis, they are tied at a set apiece. Well, tonight in C2, it's Overton, who's 26-2, and facing off against 16-10, and Guardian Angels Central Catholic. At Coach Haley Ryan says, it's been a fun journey. You know, we've came a long ways. We've had a lot of, you know, bumps in the way, you know, with, you know, some illness and just some injuries and, you know, some other situations that have come up. But um, just we're very thankful to be playing and being, you know, being able to have the opportunity to be on the court still at this point in the season. Overton's making just its third appearance ever at the state tournament. First service set for seven tonight. We will bring you that one on Camby Country. And Class D1 later on this afternoon, 30-0. and Top-ranked Pleasanton is back in Lincoln for a third straight year. And head coach Shane Nordby says this has been a fun group. Uh, this is a very special group of athletes. They don't let pressure get to them very often. 
um, still waiting actually for the first time that the pressure gets to them. And, you know, they just do the things that they're supposed to do. They go out, they play, they perform, they do the best they can, and and it's worked out well for them. The Bulldogs dropped just two sets all year long. They'll take on Johnson Brockett, too. Also in D1 today, Amherst tangles with Bergen. That one should start around four. Nebraska faces a Northwestern squad that's 2-0 to start the year this weekend. After struggling on offense a year ago, the Wildcats made some changes this offseason and brought in graduate transfer quarterback Peyton Ramsey, who was at Indiana. Husker defensive coordinator Eric Chenander says he does present some problems. We, you know, we saw Peyton Ramsey last year, um, but you know he did some nice things when we played him, and, and all throughout the year last year, and he's able to, uh, you know, get out of the trouble a little bit with the pass rush. He's able to to create some real quarterback runs for himself. Um, so you know the the passing game, um, you know it, it's. Similar but different routes, those types of things, more movement passes. Last year in Lincoln, Ramsey helped Indiana to a 38-31 win over the Huskers as he had a big day throwing for 350 yards and two TDs. He also scored a rushing touchdown and had 50 yards on the ground. Kickoff on Saturday is set for 11. We will bring you that game on 880 KRVN. NFL football tonight, it's Green Bay at San Francisco. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Time for midday news here on KRVN, and that means Ellen Simmons has now stepped in. And Ellen, another busy day. We still know a lot about the uh, obviously the election, but uh, we did have a local coverage and uh, statewide stuff uh, available yesterday. Uh, but now we turn to weather, as that's another big news factor. And winter is right around the corner. Yeah. So even though weather is nice this week, Nebraska has already shown its potential for winter weather this year in the National Weather Service is hosting their Winter Weather and Awareness Day today, November 5th. So people are prepared for this coming winter. Warning coordination meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Hastings, Mike Moritz, gives an outlook on what this winter may be like. We are already under the influence of La Nina, which is a slightly cooler than normal Pacific Ocean south of Hawaii. What that does is is that brings weather systems in from the west or the northwest. They tend to be a little bit drier. We tend to see uh, more ups and downs of temperatures. I think we've already seen that here in October and going into November. So we're already seeing the influence of La Nina. This tends to keep precipitation a little bit drier and keep snowfall a little bit lower. We also see precipitation in terms of snowfall earlier in the winter rather than later in the winter. Moritz also encourages people to learn the terms that are out there, such as watch, warning, and advisory. Know what they mean and know how they are going to get their weather information if a winter storm hits their area. A judge has pulled a state probation office in southeastern Nebraska from a high-profile murder case after a staff member commented on the defendant in a social media post. The Lincoln Journal-Star reports that the judge on Wednesday recused the office from preparing a pre-sentencing report on 26-year-old Bailey Boswell, who was found guilty last month of first-degree murder and other counts in the 2017 dismemberment killing of 24-year-old Sidney Loof of Lincoln. The decision was made after a probation officer staff member posted on social media following Boswell's conviction that there should be full justice for Sidney. Dismember Bailey the same way Sidney was. Officials say the staff member is no longer employed by the probation office. 
Police in Lincoln say two people have died in a fiery crash early Thursday. The Lincoln Journal Star reports the wreck happened just before 2 a.m. along South 27th Street when a car went out of control and crashed into a tree. A police spokeswoman, Officer Aaron Spilker, says two officers who arrived on the scene shortly after the crash tried to pull the people in um, out of the car, excuse me, and but the flames forced the officers back. Spilker says residents in the neighborhood and passerby used garden hoses and, and a fire extinguisher until firefighters arrived to douse the flames. Both, But police say the, the victims had already died by the time first responders could get into the crashed car. 94 new cases of COVID-19 were reported by Two Rivers Public Health Department in the seven-county region it serves for Wednesday, November 4th. Totals in the Two Rivers counties include 48 Buffalo County, 27 in Dawson, 1 in Franklin County, 2 in Gosper County, 1 in Harlan County, 9 in Kearney, and 6 in Phelps County. You can find more news at krbn.com. Thank you very much, Ellen. The Dawson County Ag Society is gearing up to host the first annual Thanksgiving Classic on Friday, November 27th and Saturday, November 20th. World Radio Network, I'm Clay Patton. The man to do so is one behind the scenes helping to put everything together. That is Mike Johnson. And Mike, give us an overview of what this very first Thanksgiving Classic will look like. The Ag Society got together and decided to go ahead and have a show that weekend because there's always been a long-standing show in Norfolk. When it was canceled due to covid we took the opportunity. The response has been crazy. We've had lots of out-of-state interest, phone calls, emails. It's going to be an open junior show for two days here in Dawson County. Being an open junior show, it's open to any of the youth and their cattle really across the country. Yes. It'll basically FFA age limits, and it is a JNC-sanctioned show, which is Junior Nebraska Cattlemen which makes it a point show for the juniors. Again, the show's happening November 27th and 28th. Kids can check in then that Thursday evening before the show on Friday, though, correct? Yes, yes. The grounds will be open on Thursday. We do encourage pre-entry to come in. There's a form on the Dawson County Fair website. If they just print it off, fill it out, mail it in, that'll get us going. Mike, we talk about the fact that this is an open youth show and, and the fact that the one big fall show in Nebraska has been canceled for this year. What is the importance? What do you see as the importance of these youth livestock jackpot shows like this? You know, with when it comes to these kids showing livestock it's not just something they can put together on friday and go show on saturday the work is being done for the last few months even last year with feeder calves the work is put into them so it's a way to showcase all the work that they've done they've put in so much time and this is what it's for is for them to get out and show now a lot of times when we think about youth jackpot shows and typically think spring shows now what are the advantages of a fall show advantage of a fall show is it's the first one you know it's like opening day of hunting season or the first time you head out and go fishing or the first night of the races at the fairgrounds it's just exciting to get out that first time it's fun and that's why it's important to, to have this. What does a first-year successful Thanksgiving Classic look like in Dawson County? Obviously, the numbers of head we get. I wish I knew at this point, but I don't yet. I hope we get a lot of people there. I hope they have fun, and they're really surprised at the facilities we have to, to have a show for them. 
Mike, one of the most important elements of any livestock show is the person in the ring that's physically sorting the livestock or judging the livestock. So who's coming in to judge the Thanksgiving Classic? We have hired Johnny Johnson, who is from Craig, Nebraska, for our first year. He's going to be an excellent guy to work with us for our first year just to make sure everything goes smoothly. Of course, this is again happening November 27th and the 28th. Now, I realize this is the very first year, so there's still a lot of things to learn and a lot of things to maybe improve on after you get through the first year. But looking into 2021 and beyond, what's the early thoughts? Do you want to expand just past the cattle side of it? Do you want to expand into other livestock or, or future thoughts for the show? Absolutely. Our main goal, you know, other than to, to showcase for the youth, is to raise money for building improvements on our fairgrounds. You know, we've got this great facility. We have plenty of room. Let's use it for these kind of things. That's what they're there for. You know, yes, it's it's we have to make money doing it to make improvements. And then, yes, we'll continue to a spring show and a pig show and a sheep show in the spring. And, yeah, let's let's use these fairgrounds. To put on a youth event, it requires a lot of volunteers as well as community support. So, Mike, would you like to say any thank yous to the folks that are helping put on the Thanksgiving Classic? I do want to say thank you, a huge thank you to Lex Tourism, who has given us a very generous donation to go towards awards for the show. And Ann Johnson, who's our office manager at the Fairgrounds, who's on that board. That has been huge, huge for us to be able to get prizes for the champions and also our grounds guy mike richmond who is working on getting the grounds ready and has been for the last month um, he's done an excellent excellent job let's open up that discussion a little bit more mike what are you thinking for prizes for the thanksgiving classic that's being helped and supported by the tourism board we have decided for the supreme breeding female in the supreme market they will actually be getting cordless clippers from sullivan supply between the Clippers and other show supplies, they're going to be looking at around $400 worth of prizes for winning the show. People are encouraged to pre-enter for this show. How do they go about doing that? If they go to the Dawson County Fair website or Facebook page, they'll find the form there, and they just have to print it off, fill it out, and mail it back to us. Um, one thing I would like to mention is I know with the uncertainty of COVID and weather right now, the Ag Society has decided that go ahead and pre-enter and we will hold your check until the show weekend. That way, if for some reason it doesn't happen, we'll just tear the checks up. We don't have to refund and make it a lot easier for everybody. Again, we're talking with Mike Johnson, one of the many volunteers helping to put on the Thanksgiving Classic that's going to be November 27th and 28th at the Dawson County Fairgrounds in Lexington, Nebraska. Of course, as Mike was just saying, pre-entries are highly encouraged. They hope to have a great turnout, some great prizes up for grabs, it sounds like, as well. Mike, we appreciate the time today coming in, talking to us about the first annual Thanksgiving Classic. Before we go, though, I want to make sure, is there anything we've overlooked or final or closing thoughts for our interview? I want to thank Caravan for for all the support that they've given the fairgrounds and for the show and for the our staff on the fairgrounds for making this happen. And again, Mike Johnson with the Thanksgiving Classic, a new cattle show coming to Dawson County, the Dawson County Ag Society. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. In today's fast-paced world of agriculture, 
Producers need accurate market information they can trust. Sometimes you just want to know the whys of the day's markets. And our program, The Fontenelle Final Bell, gives you the chance to ask the marketing experts. I'm Susan Littlefield with the Rural Radio Network. Join us for The Fontenelle Final Bell, Monday through Friday, as we dig deeper into the factors that shape the day's market activity. The Fontenelle Final Bell, weekdays at 217, right here on Rural Radio 880 KRVN. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are still riding Wall Street's post-election wave. The S&P 500 is rallying 1.9% in afternoon trading. Tuesday's election still hasn't made clear who will run the White House next year. Markets are banking on the election, leading to split control of Congress, which could mean the continuation of low tax rates and other business-friendly policies. Tech stocks helped lead the way amid rising expectations that a split Congress would not be as aggressive about targeting big tech for antitrust issues. The number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits fell slightly last week to 751,000, a still historically high level that shows that many employers keep cutting jobs in the face of the accelerating pandemic. Sports media giant ESPN is eliminating about 500 jobs worldwide, including about 300 through layoffs. The company says the cuts, which amount to about 10% of its employees, are due in large part to the pandemic. The company says the decision was made after exhausting other measures such as furloughs and budget cuts. General Motors is posting huge third-quarter numbers, pulling in $4 billion in profit over three months. GM swung back strongly from an $806 million loss in the second quarter when it was restarting factories shuttered during the early stages of the pandemic. U.S. long-term mortgage rates are flat to lower this week as the key 30-year rate fell to a new all-time low for the 12th time this year. The background of economic anxiety and the recession set off by the pandemic, which has depressed home loan rates through the year, was amplified in the past week by uncertainty over the presidential election. U.S. productivity increased between July and September, but at a slower pace than in the previous quarter. The Labor Department reports that productivity advanced 4.9% in the third quarter, following an even larger 10.6% surge in the second quarter. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brown. Jerry Moran's 15th annual conservation tour is underway in Kansas. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Early this morning, I talked with the senator about this tour and what it means to Kansans to be able to share what's happening with those from Washington, D.C. Today, we are in northwest Kansas, and we have uh, Kevin Norton, the chief of NRCS, with us from Washington, D.C., what that means is that we're going to have somebody who makes decisions that affect uh, area our, our region's landowners, farmers, ranchers in the in their operations of their agricultural uh, pursuits, uh, and to have somebody here who can learn from them and they have a voice in the decisions that are made in in Washington D.C. As you I mean, we have these. The tour has been in, in numerous places across Kansas. Uh, today we go from Hoxie to to, to Oakley, to Colby, to, to Goodland. So we're in that northwest corner of Kansas, uh, visiting with uh, feed yard operators. Uh, we're looking at a, at a state park, looking at Duck Unlimited Project, uh, trying to make certain that um, the government, that money, the government programs, the money spent on them is spent wisely. I'm an agriculture uh, committee appropriator. I want to make sure the taxpayers are getting their money's worth. Uh, so it's, it's twofold. 
me to learn, me to make sure I'm, I'm providing the right oversight, give Kansans a chance to tell their story to somebody who makes decisions on their behalf every day. And um, it also, at this point in time, we, we chose this day, two days after the election, to get us out of worrying about what's going on and counting of ballots and to spend time with uh, everyday Kansans who are out trying to earn a living. Well, you know, and Senator, what a great way to bring Washington, D.C. to Kansas to see such a nice variety of what's going on and and the need for the understanding of how important water and soil conservation is. And as dry as Kansas has been, how important these prescribed burns that Kansans do. Susan, you're right. I mean, every tour that we've had in these 15 years, water seems to dominate, but it's not the only topic. And during today's uh, visit in, in western Kansas, I mean, we will highlight uh, water and soil conservation. Water matters to us. We'll end up looking uh, at ways that uh, the, the technical college at Goodland is helping train students uh, to be technicians in, in water and irrigation, in water conservation and irrigation practices. Uh, we'll look at wetlands restoration, see what Ducks Unlimited is doing in a public-private partnership. Uh, make certain that the grazing lands and prescribed burning are understood. You know, in the Flint Hills in Kansas, further east in particular, but prescribed burning is a necessary component of, uh, of earning a living with cattle. Uh, it's been a controversial and challenging kind of issue, and it, again, useful for somebody in the nation's capital uh, who may not know a lot about the importance of prescribed burning to see and to hear from landowners why that's important. And uh, even... Agriculture, none of us can get along just on our own. And what we've explored and what we've seen every time we've looked at conservation practices, and we've had certainly NRCS with us from from day one at every tour, but even the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Kansas Department of Health and Environment, the Kansas Division of Water Resources, Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks, there are partnerships that are helping landowners enhance the, the value of their land, preserve it, and, and make it better, and more more productive for uh, their future generations on the farm. That's my conversation with Kansas U.S. Senator Jerry Moran. I'm Susan Littlefield, the World Radio Network. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. Let's talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Dale Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And, John, we have a healthy close coming in here at the end of the day, and we see the currencies are being friendly to us. Really, are we setting up a perfect storm to see quite a robust commodity rally, possibly out through the first of the year? Yeah, specifically in real crop feed grains. You know, I mean, you look at the outside markets, you're not that inspired. You know, crude oil is a movement, um, you know, gold up. $52 a day, it's, it's certainly something to notice, but, uh, you know, it's, this is a demand-driven market now, and now you got weather in the mix, so Brazil, and, and there's nothing certain about weather, I want to make no, these are just threats, these are weather threats, and the weather threats that come to Brazil for the first time in a while are really going to be felt here in the U.S., both from the standpoint that we have tight stocks, and the other side, now we have the potential for a much weaker dollar, um, so... You know, I was just talking to, to somebody, uh, another TV reporter, and um, just kind of showing the, the chart of where we've been. We're still cheap. I mean, it's still rather cheap. So, I, I mean, I, on one side of it, it's like, oh, well, yeah, you know, we want to give the bear, we want to be protecting hedges and risk risk management. But at the same time, like, given the world what's going on right now, you have zero percent interest rates, which is, you know, incredibly influential. 
Honestly, until, you know, something changes on that front, like, what are you going to put your money in? You know, so at this point in time, I think producers are going to, you know, we're going into November. If it's not in, it's not in the bin yet, it's going to be sold. And, and I don't know, some of these guys might hard hand fisted here, uh, look at $12 and you were there in 2016. Now, talking about what is going to be the limiting to the upside, is it going to be the euro and what levels are we going to be looking at once we get to there? Well, on the grain side, grains have their own dynamics. You only grow corn, beans, or wheat once a year. So if you have a supply failure, like, we can go to the moon. You know, there's, there's no top end. It'll, it'll go until we can shut it off as far as who's using it. We haven't been in that environment for a long time. I mean, really, probably talking seven, eight years. Um, but on the other side, it's currency. And, and, like, the big talk about Biden winning, I'm sure, in, in you know, rural America, especially where raw materials are ground, are going to be what the currency is worth. Well... The currency is a big deal, uh, especially when, you know, it, you're on the other side of it. So when the dollar weakens, maybe the euro strengthens. Well, Europe might not be able to handle that strength. So then what do they do? And that's where these sec- second-order problems could come in. But I think in the near term, that's way down the road. Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing and Chicago Publisher. The newsletter this week in grain. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Again, danielzagmarketing.com. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Thursday edition of Midday. You can listen to the Midday Podcast sponsored by Devaney Motors. That can be found at krvn.com or on iTunes.